You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, everyone, to the Writer's Block Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. That's right, the two guys that I have with me tonight did not know about the season change because they were on IR last week, but that is totally fine. I am your host, Brandon Laurie. Alongside me, I do have Brandon Clements and David Howman. Chris Halling, unfortunately, is not with us tonight, but he will be back hopefully next week. As you can tell, there's a little more joy, a little pep in my step uh, tonight because the Cowboys, boy, oh boy, had a historic win up in AT&T Stadium North. That's what the players are calling it now. I did not know that until social media dropped that awesome video. But uh, they win in historic fashion against the New York Giants to kick off the season 40 to nothing, a big 40 burger and also a shutout. That's I mean, that's the equivalent of a perfect game in baseball, in my opinion. Uh, So I said on Twitter that out of my 27 years of existing on this earth, of course, I don't remember the first five, but that was probably the best defensive performance I've seen from a Cowboys team in my lifetime. Brandon, I'll throw it to you first because you're a little bit older than Howman and I. Uh, So is that an accurate statement? Like that is the best defensive performance the Cowboys have shown over your fandom or is there something else that's sort of comparable? Oh, it's very close. I mean, yes, I am the elder statesman of the show. So, uh, yes, I I was fortunate enough to remember some of those glory days of the uh, 90s uh, Cowboys run. I would say yes. It's 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 debatable because, you know, I think and I, you know, you might disagree with me this, on this, but the Cowboys defense back then, I don't think was as flashy. I just thought they were like just the, like the group, the, the whole group was just really good. They just it was kind of like the Bill Belichick, do your job. Like there wasn't, I don't think there was as much flash. Like there was some obviously, obviously really good, good players on the teams. Uh, Like a Charles Haley, for example, like he was, he was a stud. Uh, James Washington was really good. Not that James Washington, but uh, number 37, James Washington, Larry Brown, just you know, name a few guys, Ken, Ken Norton Jr. Like it was, there was some really good players back in those days. And, uh, but this, this game on Sunday night, uh, for for me being on earth for 33 years it was the most satisfying victory like uh, non non like postseason victory of my of my fandom i i just it not only was it a, a 40 burger but it was a 40 burger shutout new york giants you know i live in upstate new york you know everybody's talking smack like hey there, there's no way uh, no way the giants are you know they're definitely gonna win it's like that's all i heard all all week and all day and everything got really silent after that block kick. So it was, uh, it was a very peaceful, a very peaceful night. I didn't get my phone blown up. People hating and, and talking smack. So yes, it was for, from a defensive perspective. Oh my god, that was, that was so much fun. Well, and and Halman, I'll let you speak on it too. But I just wanted to recap. They had seven sacks, two interceptions, a pick six a blocked field goal for a touchdown, five force fumbles, and zero points. So, I mean, just again, top to bottom. I mean, everybody was contributing, not only the starters and stars and Micah Parsons, but a lot of the depth pieces, which we'll get into as well. Um, but, yeah, just overall top to bottom. I mean, hats off to Dan Quinn for getting these guys prepared for week one. Yeah, I mean, no notes as far as the game goes. This, this was perfect. Offense, defense, and special teams, they all got touchdowns. Like, what more can you want? And I, I mean, it, it was just such a, a fun game to watch. Very satisfying. Um, me personally, I, I do this thing where like anytime the Cowboys get a 40 burger the next day or maybe sometime later that week, I'll go and for either lunch or dinner, I get a big old triple water burger um, to celebrate. And then anytime the defense holds the opponent under 20 points, I'll go and get a blizzard from Dairy Queen because oh of DQ Dan Quinn. So I'm like, I- I'm going to be in trouble this week as far as my <laughs> diet goes, but you know, that's, it's football season and that's what we got to do. So we got to celebrate, right? Well, and that's, I mean, I, I also put out on Twitter, like for the Cowboys history under Mike McCarthy and of course, Dan Quinn being here for the two years, now the third, um, 
you know, they've had 12 40 burger performances or 40 plus point games under his tenure. I, I really need to go back and check and see how that compares to someone like a Bill Belichick over the past four seasons and some of these guys who've been around for a long time. But I really don't remember a lot of teams having this much success. And it's not only somebody brought this up too in the comments, uh, B1, that like he's doing this without Mike McCarthy for 16 games out of his tenure. I mean, he's doing this with a Cooper Rush. He's doing this when Andy Dalton was the quarterback. I mean, it's not those guys specifically. And certainly Dak didn't have the outstanding performance last night, not because he was bad. It's just they didn't need to be explosive on offense. It's just this shows how much of a complete win when they get these 40 burgers. Like it's an overall team victory. It's not just all offensive points. Oh, 100%. And, and, you know, I, you could see how happy Mike McCarthy was with everything that happened. It was like before his his uh, Texas Coast offense was on the on the field, it was like, all right, we're already got it. We got a little cushion already. It was, I you know, that's the perfect way for Mike McCarthy's Texas Texas Coast the uh, offense to, to get on the field. It was, and it was cool because you got to see uh, Iggy, you know, our, our late, our newest, uh, newest member of the Cowboys via the, the Calvin Joseph trade and, uh, just uh, shortly before the season. Like he, that, how cool is that? Like that's like his first moment. Like who had him on your, on your bingo card for like touchdowns this year. And he was the first one. It's it, to me, it, it's, it was, and it, like you said, Dak didn't put up those monster numbers that I expect. Still, I still think he's uh, he's in good shape for the five thousand. I'm I'm not worried about a, a, a sub one fifty night. The weather was bad, all this and that. It was defense, defense, defense. But yeah, it was to me. It was you know people were people were already you know giving Dak flack because he didn't pass for that many yards. You know his completion percentage wasn't that great, but there was a lot of drops, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that in a, in a particular uh, group of this offense, where I, that that kind of ruined the numbers a little bit. But it, it, to me, it was just, you know, I'm just I, I'm I'm still like in awe. I know it's one game. I know it's the first week of the season, but. I'm so pumped and I'm already like, I know the, I know the jets and, and bills. That's going to be the, you know, that's the, that's the big game on Monday night. I'm looking forward to seeing how we match up with Aaron Rodgers, see how he looks, get ready for that. Because obviously Aaron Rodgers has owned the Cowboys for as long as he's been in the NFL. So I think it'll be really cool to come off the high of that giants, that giants, you know, destruction and uh, lay it to Aaron Rodgers this coming week. Yeah, I, I really do think you bring up a great point that it's it's easy to overreact in week one and you kind of have to temper things a little bit. Like to me, I said this on Twitter last night too, it's never going to be this great throughout the entirety of the season. Like there are 17 weeks in a year plus playoffs for the football season. So there will be bumps in the road, but it's sort of like, remember this, you can look at this and kind of see, okay, this is where the, the blueprint starts. And same for putting on my Giants cap, like Giants fans – you got to relax a little bit. It, it The bar is set so low now where if anything above it, it's going to be looking like a blessing in disguise. So I think that the Giants play a lot better than what they showed on Sunday night. And again, too, the weather was atrocious. And I think that that probably had a big factor into, into that as well. Um, but we're going to talk about the game, but in a different way that we did similar to last year. Again, a little housekeeping. Feel free to leave us a five-star rating on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. Leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And not only that, but we also will have, again, the Twitter spaces throughout the year. We had the Twitter space at the pregame on Sunday night um, and a lot of good questions, a lot of good conversation, and it could feature some of your favorite writers and personalities on the Blog and the Boys podcast network and from bloggingtheboys.com. Uh, but we're going to get to our power rankings. We did this last year between Jess and I, and we did 10 players, but because we do have four people Normally on this podcast, 10 times 4, 40 people, 40 names to get to would simply be we'd be here for three hours. Uh, and we're not going to do that to you guys. We want to keep it short and sweet. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to give your top five players for each of us that we had throughout the week. And it's not the power rankings in the sense where it's like Zach Martin's number one throughout the week or every single week. We understand that. We know he's the goat of the Cowboys, but we want to give other guys a shot and other opportunity to if they highlight themselves in a game during the week we want to put them in our top five and it's our own perspective and it's going to be a vector voting system so that at the end of the year similar to last year we're going to come up with the number one player on the cowboys for 2023 and we'll have a midseason award show as well too so with that being said Halman, i'll defer to you first who do you have as your number five player from uh, week one well uh before I get to my number five, I just want to, in honor of Chris not being here, I do have to mention Jalen Brooks. I know, you know, Chris is a big Jalen Brooks fan. I mean, granted, he was inactive. He didn't play, but I'm sure if, if Chris were here, he'd be, 
he'd be shouting Jalen Brooks' name and saying, you know, he. I mean, he made the roster. He he beat out my guy Semi Fihoko, and he's on the roster, and that's that's a good win for him. So you know, props to the rookie. Um, but my number five guy is Noeg Benogany, who we just mentioned. And I've been practicing that name for, for, you know, the last week to try and get it right. Um, but yeah, I mean, like what, what a great story for him. Like the Cowboys kind of sort of out of nowhere, you know, trade Kelvin Joseph for Abe Benogany and he comes in and it's like, we don't really know what to expect from him. He's obviously not going to be playing a whole lot, especially on defense, but then right from the start, I mean, he gets, he scoops up that, that block field goal returns it all the way. Like what a great moment for him. Um, especially being so new to the team, to the system, to John Fossil's, uh, the way that he does uh, special teams for him to come up with that big moment and be right in the right spot to scoop up that ball after the great block, um, you know, to me was just a, a really good first step as far as like this guy hasn't even been here that long and he's already contributing in a huge way, scored the first points for the whole season for the Cowboys and, you know, he, he deserves his flowers. That's a good. That's a good pick. I mean, Iggy. I mean, Iggy set the tone for us. I mean, I mean, Wanye made the great block, which uh, that might be a name that we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, on this on this episode. But uh, Iggy, Iggy did the old scoop and score. So he, you know, he scooped it up, and you know, he, he, you know, I, you know, I woke up my kids because I was very excited when that happened. So it was, uh, I, you know, I kind of got the the shh. But I was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. Like, how do you start a season like that? So I can't, you know, I, I can't knock you for that, Hallman. He's not on my list per se, but I'm very happy about that. And I, I'll tell you who mine is. It's Dorrance Armstrong. That's mm. my number five. And the reason why I go with Dorrance Armstrong is he had two sacks. He had six total QB hurries. And he did all that on just 16 pass rushing sta- snaps. That's pretty good production. I mean, six out of 16, just getting in the backfield and uh, going after the quarterback. That's a heck of a day. I know there's some other uh, other players that I might be mentioning in a little bit that uh, might have helped the cause on that one. But kudos to Dorrance Armstrong. He, you know, he 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 set a good tone as well. It was a lot of fun watching him get in the backfield. That Giants offensive line was just shaky all night long. And a guy like Dorrance Armstrong starting the season with two sacks. I mean, right now he's on pace for 34. But I don't think he's going to get there. But uh, two sacks, great way to start. So he he is my number five. Good for good for uh, Dorrance Armstrong. Well, and he was a name that last year at the beginning of the season flashed a lot too, and people were shocked. So he's picking up right where he left off. It's sort of like the vision that Rod Marinelli had when he drafted him in the fourth round is sort of coming – uh, to full fruition or fruition now. And uh, it's something that I think a lot of Cowboys fans didn't expect when they signed him to the two-year two-year deal a few years ago. It's like you didn't expect this type of production. You thought it was just going to be a rotational player, but the fact that he's showing up and showing out I think is awesome. And the benefit of having three guys do this is that you're going to get different names. And I have another different name at number five. I put Tyron Smith at number five for my list. And I think – Already coming to the game with a minor ankle injury, you know, he ended up on the injury report to kind of end the week, and everybody was saying, oh, here we go again with Tyron Smith. Uh, but he, he performed at uh, Tyron Smith level. Now, not to the exact level that we're used to seeing a few years ago at the all-pro level, but I think for a guy that has not played left tackle since the playoffs of 2021, I thought he looked seamless. Already coming into the game with question marks at left guard with Chuma Adoga starting. I think that could have been a disaster if Tyron Smith wasn't in the game and wasn't performing at a high level. Where he actually, I think, made Chuma Adoga look really good. You can kind of solidify his bookends between, you know, Tyron Smith and Tyler Biotish. Not worrying about anything on either side of him. I think that made things easier for him. And I think just, you know, he didn't allow a single pressure according to PFF. Which is, I think, is an awesome way to start the season for him. And there were a lot of few different wrinkles where Mike McCarthy was positioning him on the right side of the offensive line on the first touchdown to Tony Pollard, where it was Zach Martin, Terrence Steele, and Tyler, Tyron Smith coming at you. I mean, I would hate that as a defense. I don't know how you defend that on the goal line. Um, but I just think overall, the health will remain a question throughout the year. That's certainly possible and more than likely to happen. But I think right now for week one, to know that the left tackle was solidified in inclement weather, um, especially going against one of the best young defensive ends in Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Aljulari. Uh, again, I can nail all these names too, just like Howman can. Um, you know, I just think it was an impressive performance for the Wiley vet, and that's why I have him at number five. And we'll go back snake style uh, to Brandon on this one for number four too. And if you want to talk about Tyron Smith, you guys could talk about him too. 
I mean, Tyron Smith played well, and and uh, I saw your video on on Twitter. So shout out to you for that uh, that uh, that line where uh, what was it? Tyron Smith was playing tight end on yeah. the goal line. Uh, I mean, how beautiful is that? You, you got you got Zach Martin, you got Terrence Steele, who by the way is one of the best. I think that's the best combo in the league. That I think and I think Chris Collinsworth made a great point on the broadcast last night where. If they're having a hard time, you know, the Cowboys offense is having a hard time getting yards, they're going to go behind that right side because Terrence Steele and Zach Martin are a dynamic duo. And then when you you sneak over the, the, the biggest, strongest dude, Tyron Smith, you know, I, you know on, the, on the right side, and you have those three on that side, yeah, guess what? Tony Pollard made that look pretty easy. You know, it was, uh, it was, it was easy money. So I was, I was very – when I saw that video, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe these three were lined up together. But great design, great play call. It resulted in six. Very good. And I'm, I'm just glad Tyron Smith got out of there in one piece. He's healthy. Knock on wood. Let's keep that train moving. For me, you're going to see a theme tonight because obviously there was a, a, a big old uh, goose egg for the New York Giants this past week. So I'm going to stick to defense. And the, the other name that, uh, you know, we, we had a lot of people talking about it this year in the offseason was Stefan Gilmore. Stefan Gilmore, a day three pick, and we get Stefan Gilmore? Like, this is a beautiful thing. And he tallies his first interception. It was a great play because uh, you know, I'm sitting there watching the game, and first split second, I'm like, did he catch that? And he, you know, he he was like a wide receiver. He got his hands underneath it, underneath like between the, you know, between the ground and and, and the ball. And it was just, it was it was so beautiful when you see that slow mo, that replay. Like Stephon Gilmore, just that interception was fantastic. He also, according to Chris Collinsworth, he had to guard Michael Jordan last night, so uh, <laughs> aka Darren Waller. Uh, so uh, if you got to guard Michael Jordan in that case, he did a he did a darn good job of that. He he played. He, he, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't even just Darren Waller. Anybody that he was shading. They weren't going anywhere. Like he, he has whatever whatever side of the field or whoever he's covering. Good luck. Like he was running routes for the receivers and the tight ends for the New York Giants. It's like he knew that where the ball was going before the receiver did. It's like the way he played and for a fifth round pick. This is shades of, of Stephon Gilmore with the New England Patriots when he was uh, obviously a, you know a top three. If in my opinion, I, I thought he was a top cornerback in the league just a few years ago. He's still showing that. And for a fifth-round pick, I will take that any day of the week. So, Stephon Gilmore, and also three passes defended. I, don't, I didn't want to forget that. He was just absolutely fantastic. What a great job. Using day three picks to get guys like that, Cowboys front office keeps knocking it out of the park. Yeah, I, mean, I love the, the Gilmore recognition. Um, the only thing I think is, like, having him just at number four on your list, I'm really intrigued to see, like, who else you have above him because – I had Gilmore at number two on my list. I thought he was just a standout in this game. I, I was the whole time I was watching it. I was going to say really like, quick. I also had Gilmore at number two, so we can go back and wow. forth about this. Well, there you go. Yeah, B one's overruled. So <laughs> throw that out. <laughs> Man, you guys are you guys are killing me tonight. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I mean, Gilmore was he he was phenomenal. He. I thought it was interesting. He had the most targets of any Cowboys defender. He had eight targets, only gave up three catches. Uh, Brandon, as you said, he had uh, three passes defense, also had the interception. And, like, it was just they, – they just decided to – Daniel Jones was like, yeah, I'm, I'm throwing at the guy that was a defensive player of the year not too long ago, and it did not work out. Like, it didn't matter if it was Darren Waller, if it was LeBron James, if it was, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar out there. Like, he, he was going to take you out of the game no matter what. Um, yeah, I, I, as I was watching it, I was just like, I can't believe Stefan Gilmore is on the Cowboys. Like, this is just so much fun. Well, I, and I, per, I agree with everything of what you guys said. I think, you know, Stefan Gilmore is warranted of a higher ranking in my eyes, but that's okay. It's I, as long as he made the list, I think that's the most important thing because I think when it comes to a Cowboys debut, you couldn't have asked for anything better. And, you know, you mentioned the Chris Collinsworth comment, how he said, you know, he's lining up across from players who are, uh, he's better than the players he's lining up across from. You know, I didn't really like that comment too much. And I think he mentioned LeBron James as opposed to Michael Jordan. So at least we're okay with the Michael Jordan uh, talk on that because Michael Jordan's the GOAT. Um, but I do think that for Stephon Gilmore, I mean, this is the problem that the Cowboys had last year. I mean, you go last year when they lost Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown, the sky was falling for the cornerback position, the second cornerback position, and all the weight was on Trayvon Diggs, Deron Bland as a rookie. They were shuffling Xavier Rhodes in and out, Israel McQuamu. But having Stephon Gilmore there, like it felt comforting. Like it felt relaxed to know that 
you know, you have on one side Trayvon Diggs, an all-pro, former all-pro, and you have Stephon Gilmore, a former defensive player of the year, all-pro, pro bowler. And I think for me, like, this goes above and beyond what his play is on the field. It's his mentorship on the field, off the field, where there was a video that came out on social media this week where it was him and Brandon Cooks, you know, going through Malibu or wherever they were in, in California. And they were talking about, like, man, like, we've been in this league for 12 years. Stephon Gilmore said he's, like, one of the last remaining members of his draft class. I mean, it's like, I am legend. You know, it's like he's the last guy left. It, it's crazy. And when you think about that, just the, the work he puts in, on and off the field with his training and keeping his body right. That's what him and Brandon Cooks are all about. So when I look at where the Cowboys were, you know, last year by the end of the season where they were getting, you know, a lot of big plays on them and they were struggling to find a second corner. To me, he solidified what the second cornerback is for the Cowboys and it just makes things a lot easier. It definitely puts a lot more pressure on offenses. And I think, like you mentioned, how many people are targeting him because they think that, oh, well, this is the Stephon Gilmore from Indy. This is the Stephon Gilmore that struggled a little bit, but when he's asked to be the number one guy on a really bad defense in Indianapolis, like, yeah, he might not look the absolute best. But when he's asked to be the number two on a really dominant Dallas defense, like he's going to look really good because of that. And I think we saw flashes of that on Sunday night. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, like we've said, Gilmore, he was great. It's just, I mean, it blows my mind that the Cowboys got him and especially for for such a, a, a cheap draft pick that they gave up in exchange. It's just a, a great deal. Um, so all due respect to you, B1, I, I can't see him being that low at number four. Um, but for me on my list, number four, I, I had uh, Wanye Thomas. Nice. There's somebody else that I'm sure I, I'm sure is on everybody else's list too because, I mean, this guy, you know, talk about a great story. Like, you know, he was undrafted a year ago. Uh, he was on the practice run. Then this year he just balls out in preseason and – puts the Cowboys in a spot where like they have to go six deep at safety. It's, it's, you know, most teams don't go that deep at safety, but they were like, we have to, because one year Thomas is not making it through waivers. We know that much. And and we can't afford to let him go somewhere else. We want him on this team. So they made the commitment, they brought him on and then Donovan Wilson isn't ready to go. So they, they put one year Thomas in there and give him the start. And he, he was just, he was very consistent. He was just like he was in the preseason. He was playing great. Obviously, he was the guy that, like we said, he had that that big block on the field goal attempt that led to uh, Noah Igbenogany's big touchdown return. And it was just just perfect execution from him on slicing through the guys and getting in position to make the block. But also on defense, I mean, he wasn't really around the ball too much just because of where he was playing in, in the defense. But he had one tackle, and it was a stop at the line of scrimmage. There was no gain on the play. And he was targeted once in the pass game and he got a, a pass breakup when he was thrown at. So, like, he wasn't really tested a whole lot, but when the ball came his way, he stepped up and did his job. And it's just, you know, especially having been a fan of this team through the era where they really didn't spend any resources on the safety position, to now sit here and say, like, we've got three great starting safeties. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't even matter when they get hurt because you got Wanya Thomas coming in, you know, last year Israel Mukwamu came in and, and was able to play slot corner, and it's just like there's an embarrassment of riches at this position now, and it's just so rewarding to see that. Oh, 100%. And then Wanye, Wanye's definitely on my list. I guess I guess I liked him a little bit more than you, Hallman. So reveal I, it. I, reveal it. Where you got him? <laughs> I got him at number three, actually. All right. Uh, I, dude, I just – He's a tone setter, man. Like I just, I love, I love his game. Like it's and how and you, you, you spoke beautifully about Thomas. Like he, there was no way you could keep this kid off the team. Like he, like he was not clearing waivers. Like I know we hear this all the time. Like oh, man, I don't know if he's gonna make it through waivers at the preseason. Wanye was not making it. He was gonna get, he was gonna get picked up by somebody. The kid is too talented. He flashed in the preseason. If I'm not mistaken, I think he picked off Trevor Lawrence in the preseason. If I'm, if I remember that correctly. So that that kid, that kid can ball out. He was a good player at Georgia Tech. You know, I was surprised. You know, I was surprised that it, you know, obviously it took him a little bit of time to get in because he's, you know, he's in his second year, but it's his first, you know, first live rounds, uh, you know, with the, with the Cowboys. And and he, I mean, that block field goal. I mean, what what can you say? Like, what else can you say about Wanya Thomas? Not only that, but he literally, he just, he just, just balled out all game. Like he was all over the field. He was making great plays. I mean, he, you know, his stats were pretty good too. Like I'm sitting here looking at him right now. I mean, you know. 
I mean, two tackles, they're pretty good. But it, it's to me, it was the things that he, you know, the things that don't still uh, show up on the stat sheet where I thought he made the impactful play. So I know you put Noah. Uh, I know how when you put Noah at, at five, uh, Iggy. I have to put Wanye at three because he set the tone for that Cowboys team. He blocked that kick and he just. You know, he set the tone. He pretty much said, drink my, drink these tears, Giants fans. This is, this is, you know, you guys are, you know, I know it's raining a lot in New York or East Rutherford, New Jersey these days. I, I my, my thought is it's still tearing up from last night's game. So that's, it's all the Giants tears that are coming down right now. So that's, that's where I'm at. And Wanye Thomas is to think of, you know, I, I have to give him a big thanks for that. I, I got to be honest, I, I am just a touch bit disappointed that you brought up he played at Georgia Tech. I was waiting for you to talk about how, how he played against Syracuse back in the day. I, I was waiting for that, Brandon. Yeah, I know. I, I, set the, I, you know, I, I always set the bar up on my, my Syracuse ones. I didn't come with the, the, hitter, the, the hard-hitting one tonight, but I, I did watch him in the ACC, obviously, because of uh, his, uh, his ties to my, uh, one of my favorite schools, Syracuse University. So I was familiar with him. And uh, when the Cowboys picked him up and he's been sitting on the roster, I was like, okay, this kid's got a shot to be good because he flashed in college. I thought he was, you know, I think he was honorable mention, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have his stats in front of me, but he, you know, he, he played some good ball at Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech, they're known to get some players. I mean, there was a guy who was, he played for Alabama this past, uh, this past season. Uh, but before that he played at Georgia tech, his name is Jameer Gibbs, one of the most electric rookies on the field. So Georgia tech, they know how to recruit. They get some good talent. So Wanye was another, another, uh, another one of those yellow jackets that's uh, in the NFL and he's performing very well. And you're not talking about a future hall of fame, yellow jacket. You're talking about Georgia tech, yellow jackets. Just want to make that clear. Uh, but yeah, no, not, I know. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Right at this yeah, point. Not? Yeah. Why not? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I know Danny Phantom, uh, fellow BTB, or he was on the Wanye Thomas train, of course, like a lot of us were uh, this offseason. And I couldn't agree with everything that you guys said. He's outside of my top five. So when the article drops, I'm blogging the boys. He's on there. He's just not in the top five for me, which is totally fine. We're hitting all the players here. Because, again, when you have such a dominant game like that, like there's just so many flowers to be handed out. Um, and I think it's important to hit all of them. At my number four, I have Osa Adigizua. I, I believe one of us also has him on the list too, so we'll talk about him a little bit. To me, like the real football nerds knew about him way before. Of course we did, but I know a lot of the people who cover the athletic uh, for, for national coverage and all that, Nate Tice, all those guys, like they've been talking about Osa for a long time. But now it's like the media, the national media is catching up to what we've seen since his rookie season. I think – I mean, when you look at him physically, he has grown so much in that strength and conditioning program that the Cowboys have him on. I mean, he just looks stronger. He looks still quick as ever. Um, I mean, the fact that he is getting helped by a player who will probably be on this list a little later, um, that's why he had success. Like, not only was he having some of the best, uh, you know, tackles for loss, three quarterback hits, but he had two sacks because of the other guys around him. And I think that you look at him, and this is what the three technique I always thought about when Rod Marinelli always talk about the three technique, always having a pass rush, but like Steven Pia or Pia, you know, uh, uh, Henry Melton, like all these guys, I never really thought would be like the traditional three technique. Like this is the new version, the new version of what a three technique is. Uh, he reminds me sort of like Grady Jarrett and they have the same number too. So it's very, very similar to what Grady Jarrett was for Dan Quinn and his defense. So I just thought overall 
he had a great night. And like I mentioned, just his body type, you know, fits so well with what the Cowboys are looking for. And I know they drafted Mozzie Smith in the first round, but this puts a little less pressure on him to just flash right away. And I still think he had a really good night as his first game, his first NFL action as, you know, uh, against real competition for Mozzie Smith. But this sort of slows the development a little bit in a good way where it's not putting all this pressure on Mozzie Smith and you still get Osa on the field. And he still has another year on to, under contract before, you know, he hits free agency and the Cowboys can decide if they want to sign him, you know, to extension. This offseason, similar to what they did to Tyrone Crawford so many years ago, or if they just want to ride it out and then maybe he could be a franchise tag player like Jason Hatcher was. Again, a number 97. A lot of these 97s for the Cowboys just flash a lot, but I thought Osa needs to get his credit because he he did a really good job on Sunday night. Man, you're bringing up a bunch of bunch of names that I completely forgot about. You know, you got you got the, the Stephen Paya, Henry Melton, uh, it's the Jason scars. Hatcher. It's all the scars. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I think it's funny you also bring up Grady Jarrett because back when Osa was first drafted by the Cowboys, um, I, I wrote an article and it's somewhere out there on, on blogging the boys where I said like he has similar traits to Grady Jarrett. The fact that you know obviously Grady Jarrett started his career with Dan Quinn in Atlanta. Um, and kind of didn't necessarily say he was going to be the next Grady Jarrett, but you know there was you know you, you could definitely see what Dan Quinn saw in him when when he went out and got a guy like Osa. So for for you to make that comparison kind of made me chuckle. Um, I, I loved the game that Osa had uh, on, on Sunday night. I did not have him in my on my list. He mm. just barely missed the cut because I was kind of going back and forth, but I wanted to give flowers to to Iggy uh, just because he he was so new to the team and to come in and make a, a big play like that. I wanted him to get some recognition, but yeah, I mean, this, this was everything that I wanted to see from Osa, uh, you know, last year kind of, there, there was a lot of expectation. He was going to really break out and not that he didn't play well. He just didn't meet those really high expectations. And, and for him to come out and have a first game like this, where he was just, just absolutely doing everything you want him to do and, and moving the way he did that one sack that he had where he comes off the edge and just kind of loops back in just shows his versatility too. Like he doesn't have to line up in that three tech spot. He can kind of move all over the place. And I really like what I saw from him. I want to see more. And if he does it more then he's definitely going to be on my list going forward. I'll say this. I'm going to throw another guy out there. You guys, you guys forgot about Jay Ratliff. I know he, mm. I know he's known as a defensive end, but in that three, four defense back, uh, back 15 years ago, you know, he played nose tackle. So he, and he, he put up some decent numbers in the interior. So I, I would say Osa has he has Jay Ratliff type traits. He's not as big as Jay Ratliff. Jay Ratliff was a, I think he was six four, over three hundred pounds. Osa, I believe, is right around 280, 285. So he's a he's a smaller version of of Jay Ratliff. But I feel like from the inside, I feel like he he showed last night where you know on Sunday night that. You know he can get to the quarterback, and yes, regardless of who else is lined up and the you know it, you know next to him, around him, who's going you know after the quarterback as well. He still you still have to make plays, and Osa did his job. Like he put, he put on a very good performance, and I'll be honest, I'm in the same I'm in the same boat as his Howman. He just missed my you know my you know making my top five this week, and it was very close, and and it was it was between Dorrance Armstrong. I think he put a little bit more out there for me. I think he had, I want to say he had more QB hurries as well, if I'm not mistaken. So I felt like, I felt like his production was slightly better than Osa's, but I'm not slighting Osa because that was a hell of a performance. So, uh, you know, you, you could pick either one of those guys and everybody's going to be, I think, I think we'll all be pretty happy about it. So Halman, I think uh, for, for Brandon, he's already at his number two guy that he hasn't revealed, right? B1, you, you still have, uh, you had five, four and three revealed, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm down to uh, two and one. Okay. So I'll say my number three and then Halman, you'll say your number three and then we'll get back on the horse here uh, with B1 with his number two and kick that off. For me at three, I had Zach Martin. Uh, I think the guy, he missed the entire entirety almost of training camp, comes back week one, and he looks like he's in midseason form. I mean, the guy is just, he's an all pro through and through the money that the Cowboys gave him. I don't even think it is enough for what he provides to this team. It certainly was good for Zach Martin and the Dallas Cowboys, so that's awesome. Um, but I do think that he's just worth every penny. And when it comes to playing in inclement weather, of course, you're going to run the ball a lot more. And like we mentioned at the top with him and Terrence Steele, I mean, it's one of the best combination blocks. I meant We mentioned in pre-show um, between him and Terrence Steele. And, and unfortunately, Terrence Steele didn't make my list, but he's certainly in that top 10 conversation. Um, 
It's just they're two of the best, and that's why Tony Pollard had success running to the right as opposed to the left. I think the biggest run of the night went towards the right. Tight ends had a great block, but I think all that starts because of Zach Martin. He sets the tone. He sets the attitude. Him and I believe one of the other defensive tackles were going at it after another play. He's getting the face. I think Zach Martin is ready to win. Like The guy has been around a long time. He's ready to win now. He brings the attitude. Certainly different from what I remember him as a rookie. More soft-spoken, a little bit more reserved. He's certainly taken on this leadership role. Uh, he came out with the hype video uh, before the game, so that was always awesome uh, to see that. You love to see that, and a little Black Sabbath in there too. Um, I just think that when it comes to this week now, like we're going to talk about the New York Jets at the very end just to kind of preface it a little bit and what we're looking forward to. But like you have another all-pro you know, in Quinn and Williams that's going to be coming up, and we'll see what happens as we're recording this Monday night um, you know, when the Jets take on the Bills. But you go from Dexter Lawrence all-pro to Qu- Quinn and Williams all-pro. I mean, that's like you're, you're going back-to-back there. So I think Zach Martin's going to play a big factor into week one, week two. Um, and I just I think for me it eases a lot more stress when he's on the field and the fact that he is donning the star I think is super important and great for the Cowboys and all fans that he's he's here he's not holding out and again he just he didn't miss a step to me even though he missed all of training camp yeah I mean Zach Martin is the consummate pro he's a he's a surefire first ballot hall of famer for everything he's done and seeing him back there on the field especially with, with how much time he missed and the fact he didn't play in the preseason, like to just like step back on the field and just like, just once again, be that guy is impressive. And also, you know, with like with the giants, Dexter Lawrence is like, he's, he's a monster of a man. And he had, uh, I, I believe he had the only four pressures for the giants in that game. Two of them came against Truma Doga. Two of them came against Tyler Biotish. And like, personally, I'm not going to hold that against those two guys because Dexter Lawrence is that's a tough guy to, to hold up, but then also pair that with the fact that Martin didn't give up a single pressure. And, and it's not, I mean, I, I'm sure if we actually like broke down the snaps, Lawrence probably went up against those two guys a little bit more, but still like Martin held his own and he did more than that. And that's what we've come to expect from him. Um, he's not on my list um, for for this week, but I'm sure that that's, that's definitely going to change this for me. For me, this reason was mostly just because, the Cowboys defense was just so spectacular. It's not a slight at Martin, not a slight at anybody on the offense, but when you go out and you have a shutout like that, I mean, shutouts are hard to come by in the NFL, especially with the way that the the rules are set up to favor the offense and everything. So when that happens, you're going to be talking a lot about the defensive guys. And for me, my number three guy was another defensive guy, and it's Marquise Bell. Mm. And I just, I mean, Marquise Bell, like Wanya Thomas a year ago when he was undrafted, I was over the moon that the Cowboys got him. Um, he's just—he's such a fun player. And like, if you just think about it, two weeks ago this guy was playing safety, and now he's playing linebacker. And he was—he played linebacker exclusively on Sunday night. And he goes—he goes ahead and he leads the team in tackles. He's got eight tackles. He was flying around, just doing everything that they asked of him. And like, what more can you want from a guy to to have a sudden position change? I know like they've kind of fit him into that J Ron curse role where they've, he, he plays kind of a safety linebacker hybrid, but to actually like make the switch and go from the safety room to now you're having, you're in the, the linebacker room, you're meeting with a different position coach. You're, you have different assignments uh, as far as what you're actually looking at on the film and to then come out in, in week one and just absolutely ball out like that and be such a force on the defense like, I, I just love this guy. And what I was saying before about Wanya Thomas, you just the depth at safety, even though he's, you know, technically a linebacker now. But, like, you have a guy that's at safety that you're not going to start at safety. Now you can move him over to linebacker and you feel comfortable that he goes out there and he can just do what you ask of him. So I, I was really, really impressed with what I saw from Bell. Dude, you're stealing my thunder. That's That was my number two, man. That's <laughs> That's funny how we're, we're going in order here. I mean, we're, we we have a lot of the same dudes, and it's, you know, I mean, we're in our top five. And and just, you know, you stole my thunder with Marquise Bell because he he, he led the team in tackles. You mentioned that. He was just everywhere. Like, at the even towards the end of the game, that hit on Matt Breida, woo, oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. And he, you know, I, and I also wrote a piece last year about him as he was my undrafted free agent on the defensive side of the ball last year 
most likely to make the team. You know, I look I looked at him as as a, you know a younger and more athletic J. Ron Curse. J. Ron, don't get mad at me for that, but I just Marquise Bell to me, he's just he's got a different gear. He's a little undersized, obviously. He's, he's just a little over two hundred pounds. So at the position, the the new position, the line you know linebacker, he's a little undersized, but. He, he got through the mess. Like, there was so much garbage, offensive linemen, tight ends. He got through the garbage on multiple occasions. He was in the backfield nonstop. He, to me, like, I'm sitting there watching every, almost, I felt like almost every single defensive snap, number 14, Marquise Bell, is in the play. Like, he was all over the place. Like, he, he just... He just gets it. Like, I'm not worried about his size, to be, to be honest with you, because the way Dan Quinn deploys, you know, we have a million safeties on the roster, which is fantastic. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that we, we kept a guy like Bell and, 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 and Wanya Thomas. Like, the, these guys are, are, are too talented, and they're hybrid players. Like, they, to me, I call them, you know, I know we have the phrase small running backs, like Deuce Vaughn. I call these guys small linebackers that's what i call them i call them small linebackers because they're not linebackers based on the traditional size like a ray lewis was back in the day you know where they're like closer to 240 250 and they're matching up you know size wise with these big tight ends but obviously the game has changed you're seeing a lot more not traditional tight ends like an evan ingram who's more of a pass catcher he's not really gonna you know he's not gonna give you much in the blocking game so the game has changed so much and Dan Quinn has evolved, and you know, and I have to give DQ so much credit because he's taken all this talent. And you know, yes, we lost to Marvin Overshone. Like that was a tough loss. Like this, this would have been a great game for Overshone. I, I bet you he would have had six or seven tackles. But the Cowboys may not; they may lack true linebackers on the roster. But because of so many safeties that we have that are now essentially almost like another another linebacker, it gives positional flexibility. But it also creates the element of so much athleticism and so much speed on the field that you know a guy like Marquise Bell, like this is just this is just the beginning. I feel like. I feel like he's got Jamal Adams type skills, you know, before, you know, you know, Jamal Adams with the team coming up uh, this, this, this coming week, New York Jets, Jamal Adams, where he was all over the field. You know, I see a lot of him in the, in that, in his game and Marquise Bell, he's, he's a guy that's going to be on the Cowboys. I hope for a very long time. He's just that good. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. He's not on my list um, again, outside the top five. Uh, but again, he's on my list that will come out hopefully in the article this week. So he's on there. It's funny how he's four one, like the version, it's sort of like Clark Kent and Superman. Like his Clark Kent is the 41, like safety marquee spell, but then his Superman is the 14 uh, linebacker marquee spell. And it's funny how like uh, Michael Gelkin pointed out a great point. It's like, it, it looked like he's been playing linebacker for forever. And I do think that injury creates opportunity. And you just wonder if, DeMarvian Overshone was healthy and on this team. Maybe that puts Wanye Thomas or Marquise Bell on the street, and then they're they're not on the Cowboys this year. So it's unfortunate that the injury happened, but then you get to really get a good look at these guys, and now they're, could, they could be a part of your future plans where maybe you let somebody walk in free agency that's a veteran player that you don't re-sign because you have these young guys. I think Marquise Bell had a great game. He knifed through that one play where it was a QB uh, boot out to the right, and he just sniffs it out and just like undercuts uh, Daniel Jones. He was all over the ball uh, last night. I just thought he had a great, great game. Um, and I did bring up, you know, like like you mentioned, the one point. It's just he's a developmental guy. He's showing just traits of just natural instincts that Dan Quinn loves and appreciates. And I think this is what Dan Quinn envisioned Keanu Neal being, you know, as sort of like that bridge player a few years ago. But again, it's a veteran guy a little older, slowing down because of injury, like Marquis Bell is just a fresh player. You get to see a lot, and I think it's pretty awesome. Was he your, was he your number two guy there, B1, or did you have somebody else that you wanted to mention? Oh, no, that's that was my number two. I was oh, just – This he, is perfect. We're, we're working out perfect here. We're, this is, we're rolling, awesome. baby. This he, It was too – to me, like – like yes, did he have the interception? No, did he, you know? Did he not score? Did he score a defensive touchdown, special teams touchdown? No, but like to me, he he was just everywhere. I felt like like fourteen was in the picture. I felt like all night long. Like his he led the team in tackles. Like he just to me like only thing he didn't get was a, you know a turnover. Even though that Matt Breida you know that hit. You know, that ball, this was a little fortuitous for the Giants. That was one of the lucky breaks they had because 
Marquise put Matt Breida on his backside. It was just a heck of a hit. So, we'll, I mean, we're at number one because Howman and I both had Stephon Gilmore as our number two. So, this works out perfect. Uh, I think I know who the number one is. I mean, if somebody wants to shock the world here and say somebody <laughs> different, that's totally fine. I did it a few times last year and pe- I, people didn't like me for it. Uh, but I know exactly where we're going with this. It's Brandon Aubrey, right? Yes, you know, you, you, I was thinking the same thing, baby. Uh, Let's go. So was I. You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Howman, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you start it off and then we'll all kind of build our argument for it together and kind of make it one cohesive argument. But who do you have at number one? Well, now I feel like the pressure's on me. Like, what if I what if I go ahead and throw a curveball and now suddenly everything's been messed up? Um, no, my my number one guy is Micah Parsons. Um, I, I don't think it's it really you know takes a whole lot of explanation. This dude is just different. I mean, he he's constantly in the backfield. His his get off, his ability to rush from anywhere on the field, and the speed that he has. I mean, they were showing all these different replays, and it's like. I mean, the, the Giants' offensive line got absolutely massacred in the game all night long. But we know from last year, having watched some of these guys, like like they may not necessarily be all pro guys, but especially those two tackles, Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal, like they're good tackles. Like they've played good ball in the past. And they were just getting abused by Micah Parsons. And that's that's just a testament to his talent. I mean, he had you know, uh, six pressures, a sack. He, had, he was constantly in the backfield, like just – how do you stop him? I, I don't. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how you actually stop a guy like Micah Parsons, unless he's unless he's like dealing with some sort of injury, or like the last two years, like kind of towards the end of the year when he's you know, getting a little gas. Like sometimes you you get an edge on him, but even then he gets his second win, and he he just he's just a problem for offenses, and and he did it again uh, Sunday night. And I mean, this guy, in my opinion, he's been robbed of Defensive Player of the Year both of the last two years. And I think he's he's angry about it. He's coming for that Defensive Player of the Year award, and he's coming for a Super Bowl. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I, I brought up the point. Um, Micah Parsons is my number one guy, so unless B1 has somebody completely different, we're all on the same page here. But it's just the, the line continues to be a menace against the New York Giants. Um, of course, Micah Parsons had his live stream show today on uh, Bleacher Report. Um, and he was talking about this. He's like, listen, the Giants are a good team. Like they were in the playoffs. Like, why is everybody saying that, you know, the Cowboys beat up on a bad team? You know, it doesn't really mean anything like, no, like the Giants, as you mentioned, Howman, they have two first round and an all pro left tackle and, and Evan Neal's a first round pick. Like these are legitimate talents on the edge. They have a second round pick, John Michael Schmitz, who I think all of us liked in the pre-draft process. You know, he's a young developmental guy, but somebody that they have high hopes for to be a high end starter in the league. And then you have the left guard and right guard. Mark Lewinsky has been around for a long time. I forget. Bredesen might be the uh, the left guard. And it's just they put them on turnstiles last night because of Micah Parsons. Glowinski was like at one point, Glowinski and I think Schmitz were trying to block Parsons, but then they were just blocking air at one point because he just burst right through the gap. And then he, that's when he had his sack on, on Daniel Jones. It's just the guy has so much acceleration, so much burst. Uh, Next Gen Stats had a great, great stat where they said Parsons recorded four pressures and a sack on 18 press, uh, pass rushes in the first half while being double teamed on half of his pass rushes. That's unbelievable. And all four of Dallas's first half sacks came when Parsons was doubled. So that's when we mentioned at the top when Osa Digizoa had his flash and, and outstanding night. That wasn't just because of Osa being dominant on his own. Like That was also because Parsons was being double teamed. And to me, the only reason why Chris won't have his prediction of Parsons breaking the all-time sack record for a single season come true is because he's going to be double-teamed the entire time. But that means the Cowboys might be on pace to break the all-time sack record as a team that Philly set last year. I think it was 70 sacks. So, I mean, the team is just on a record pace right now for for, uh, just an awesome season with regards to sacks. And I think that has a lot to do with Micah Parsons, not only as him, like as an individual player, but um, accounting for double teams. And like you mentioned, the last line I had in my article is just the full-time defensive end looks towards finally locking up an award for defensive player of the year on his way to a record-setting extension in the future, which is going to happen. There's no doubt about that. And um, he's way ahead of schedule uh, because of his performance on Sunday night to that defensive player of the year award. So I I can't say anything more about Micah Parsons because he just says it all himself. And again, people forget he dealt with the flu when they played, you know, the Giants at MetLife last year, and he was a shell of himself and still had a great phenomenal game. I mean, you could just see that he's a menace. 
Uh, he's a force to be reckoned with in this league, and I think you're going to see this year just dominance across the board um, just because of him being on the field. Oh, 100%. I mean, I mean, obviously Micah Parsons is going to be number one. I, I thought that was kind of unanimous. I mean, I'm just going to say it one more time, and I've said this on multiple roundtables and, and, and ever since I joined the blog and the boys' family over a year ago. Michael Parsons is a unicorn, okay? Like, yeah. this dude is just – he's a game wrecker. He destroys everything. Like, like, and you mentioned it. He was double – like, you know, there were seven total sacks. You know, those – like, when he's double teamed, I'm like, I will take DeMarcus Lawrence. I'll take anybody, any of the other guys that are coming in. One-on-one, -on -one, you're going to put DeMarcus Lawrence? Like, okay, I'm taking that over. You know, I, I, that's that's fine. You want to double-team him? Yeah, I think I think Chris I, – I, you, know, you know, I wish he was here tonight so we could, we could talk about it, but Chris – I don't. I love his projections, and based on talent, he should have thirty. You know, Michael Parsons have thirty sacks. I don't see that happening because he is going to get double teamed. I do think it's a double digit sack season. I think he's on pace for that. I think that's an obvious, easy. That's a layup. I mean, we're you know, I don't think he's. I don't think that's you know, bar anything crazy. I don't think he's going to be below double digits. But there's one thing that I wanted to point out, and and uh, Andrew Thomas is. I think he's an upper echelon tackle in this league. I think. You know, and, you know, I, I do talk to a lot of Giants fans being a New Yorker. So, like, I, you know, they have a lot of love for Andrew Thomas. They, they think he's, you know, that he's their guy for the next, you know, 10 years. And to get a guy like Andrew Thomas to false start, and he doesn't false start. Well, he's one of those dudes, they said on the broadcast, he just doesn't false start. But because of Micah freaking Parsons, he, he false starts? Like, that should tell you everything you need to know about Micah Parsons. He's just that darn good. And I'm just sitting here looking. He, he mean, Micah Parsons lined up everywhere on the field. Like, you know, anywhere on that, on that defensive line, inside, outside, you know, twists, turns, you name it. He was everywhere he went, they were trying to double team. And, yes, they did. And, and there's a couple occasions where he, even with the double team, he was just about to break through those double teams. And I believe there was one where Chauncey Golston got a sack. But Micah broke through at the, towards the end of that double team. That's just how talented he is. And, uh, you know, I think Trayvon Diggs says pay him quarterback money. Anyone on this uh, on the writer's block disagree with that? I don't think so. Pay him whatever the heck he wants. Back up the Brinks truck. He cannot be – he can never play football for any team that doesn't have the star on their helmet. He has to be a Cowboy for his entire career. He's – to me, and, and, and Mike Greenberg from ESPN said it this morning, he's, 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 a, he's Lawrence Taylor – reinvigorated and that's and re, that's that, that's a fact and he, he did it against Lawrence Taylor's old team the New York Giants this past you know this past week so I I, I love Micah Parsons there's what else can you say about the guy he's just awesome yeah I mean the, it, it it gets to a point where you're like how do I how do you describe have the words to like to fully <laughs> encapsulate this I mean honestly I will say I disagree with the idea of giving him quarterback money yeah yeah only because <laughs> I would say quarterback money isn't going to be enough <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. He, he is, uh, I mean, every, every year around the draft, like we talk, like words get thrown around, like this guy's a generational talent. And nine out of 10 times, he's not a generational talent. Micah Parsons is. I mean, this guy is unreal. He is doing things that have not been done since Lauren Taylor. He's doing things that have not been done in this current generation of the NFL. And like, he, he's one of those guys that like you pay him, whatever he wants. You, you just give him a blank check and say, write in whatever number you want. Like Jerry Jones is good for it. You know, he's, he's not really worried about actually having the money. They'll make the cap work, but you're going to do whatever it takes to keep him there. I think that uh, the quarterback money I don't think needs to be in the discussion because I think they still have to pay Dak quarterback money. So I think that's where the quarterback money will go. Uh, but I do agree with with you guys that he he deserves uh, a blank check. And hey, listen, you know maybe maybe the Cowboys want to start a GoFundMe and just say you know for Micah Parsons contract, and then then everybody pitches in for a donation and everybody gets a brick, um, you know somewhere maybe on a walkway. Uh, with their name on it uh, for, for Micah Parsons' contract. But, yeah, I think he's going to be well-deserving. It'll be fun to watch the negotiations happen this offseason, off but we don't have to worry about that right now. Uh, we're just happy to live in the moment and just make sure that this is the season uh, to remember and that, you know, everybody stays healthy, all this stuff, because it certainly could be a special season. Um, really quick, Howman, recap your top five, and then we'll go to Brandon, and I'll say mine. This way we can kind of – reset and make sure everybody knows who we uh who they want to argue with us about yeah my my top five uh i had noah igbenogany 
I had uh, Juan J. Thomas, Marquis Bell, Stefan Gilmore, and then, of course, Michael Parsons. Yeah, that's, I mean, again, he's, you know, Hamann knocks it out of the park. It's a darn good list. Uh, I mean, I my order is uh, Doris Armstrong, five, Stefan Gilmore, four, Wanye Thomas at three, Marquise Bell at two, and then, of course, the, the unicorn Micah Parsons at one. Yeah, and I had Tyron Smith, Oso Digizua, Zach Martin, Stefan Gilmore, and Micah Parsons. It's awesome. Again, there's a lot of representation here, uh, representation here on the ballot. Uh, feel free to debate all of us. Um, when the episode comes out in the comments, uh, I think it's awesome. And if you want to throw your own list out there too, give us your top five. Uh, you know, for for the players that you thought performed the best uh, for the Cowboys Week One. But of course, we're gonna close out here with just a brief overview of Week Two. Of course, the Giants uh, or the uh, Jets, rather. Um, I think I forget whatever RJ called it. He called it like the Sinatra series, uh, where it's back to back New York teams. But of course, it's the home opener against the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, maybe the Cowboys can finally slay that dragon. Haven't we slayed a lot of dragons last year with you on the pod? Cowboys getting their first road win in the playoffs beating Tom Brady maybe they'll finally do it uh this year at AT AT&T Stadium but what's sort of your biggest question that you need answered this week or something that you want to see from next week's game at the home opener for AT&T Stadium to start I mean it's hard to really answer because the Cowboys they didn't really leave a whole lot of questions in this first game I mean they were just so dominant but I think if I had to really pick one it would be the tight end position just because I mean, first of all, like Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot, those guys in the blocking game, like they were doing work. All credit to them. That's recognized. Like they were absolutely crushing it in the blocking game. But in the pass catching game, it really wasn't, you know, all that. Hendershot had that that one drop that would have been a touchdown. It was between a couple guys, so I kind of give them a little bit of a leniency for that. But Ferguson, I mean, he had two big drops. And, I mean, he was targeted the most times of any Cowboys receiver. He had seven targets, only got in two catches. Um, for for a guy that was supposed to ascend to the top tight end position, long term that's not going to cut it, especially when Luke Schoonmaker is is waiting in the wings and wanting to prove that he can be that tight end one. Um, so I, I want to see what this tight end group does going forward uh, if they can emerge as a more reliable pass catching option. Yeah, I mean those. I mean that's. I think that was uh, the low hanging fruit. So I'll, I'll let you have that one. That's. I mean the blocking. They they did their job. No questions asked. But you know, and it, and it leads to my my individual, and it's it's, and it's tough because you're you're it's forty nothing, a forty burger this past weekend, you know the, what negatives do we have? I mean, it's if I have to nitpick, it's to me, it's you know it's Dak Prescott, and you know, and, and my expectations, we I've talked about it, Dak five K, and that's that's where I'm at, five thousand passing yards this year. And uh, he's not on pace for that right now. 143 yards passing. It's a, you know a little bit less than uh, half of what I expect. You know, close to three bills every game, give or take. So that was you know it was, that was a little bit of a letdown. 54% completion percentage. I mean, he didn't. You know, there wasn't any. I wasn't worried about him making mistakes, even with the conditions the way they were. It's it was more of a night where it was focused on the ground game because of the weather. The defense, the special teams, did their thing. So like, if I have to nitpick something, it's Dak Prescott because if you look at the if you look solely at the box score, and there are people out there that you know maybe they didn't watch the game or let's do it on, on your favorite radio station, whatnot. They just see the box score like they, you know, some people read the papers in the morning still, believe it or not. So, you know, they, they look at the box score and be like, wow, Dak Prescott, 143 yards passing. Wow, how did they, they get 40 points? But it, to me, it was Dak Prescott. And, uh, you know, I know it's – I think we're going to see bigger numbers coming up uh, for, for him, you know, against the Jets this coming uh, this coming weekend. And, and, and speaking of the Jets, uh, one of the uh, great uh, New York Jets, uh, you know, he covers the Jets for uh, heavy – he, the guy's all over the place. Uh, Boy Green, I, I will actually be on his uh, show this coming week. Uh, Boy Green Daily, uh, it'll be on. It'll be on at 7:30 Eastern time. I know there's somebody out in the other parts of the country, so 7:30 a.m. Eastern time, Friday morning. I'll be on with him. Uh, talking Cowboys Jets. So uh, let's go. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Shout out to Boyd Green and all the work that he does. Again, everybody go check him out as well, too. I guess especially to prep for the Jets. He has a lot of good insight on the team that he covers. Um, And also, too, I mean, listen, we could 
you know, nitpick all we want. Dan Quinn was asked about the defensive performance and he said, well, we missed two tackles. So like we have things to clean up. So, I mean, if Dan <laughs> Quinn's going to nitpick, so can we. Um, and I think that what you're saying, it's not about Dak Prescott and his performance. It's just, you want to see what it's like under the Mike McCarthy scheme at a neutral site, neutral field where there's no real inclement weather to kind of adjust things. I mean, the fact that the Cowboys won on the road in horrible weather, I think should just prove a lot of confidence and build a lot of confidence for fans that they can win in any sort of condition, especially against a division rival who's supposed to know you very well, um, especially when they have five months to prepare for you uh, when the schedule comes out. So I think that was an awesome performance for that. Um, But I think, yeah, Dak Prescott, let's see what the entire offense has. Uh, against one of the, again, top defenses in the NFL. The Giants certainly added a lot of pieces in the offseason, but, you know, again, they were starting two rookie corners that were struggling a little bit uh, on Sunday night. Like, this is the top of the top. I mean, some people had the Jets and the Cowboys playing each other in the Super Bowl, so maybe this is a Super Bowl preview. So what does it look like uh, for the offense going against one of the best defenses, if not one, because the Cowboys are, I guess, the top. But, you know, maybe two, maybe three defense in the NFL. I mentioned the offensive line with uh, Zach Martin versus Quinn Williams. I think that'll be a matchup to watch. But again, Brandon Cooks, CeeDee Lamb going against Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Like, you can't get any better than that to know where the temperature of your football team is. And again, it's still early in the year. So if, if things are struggling a little bit, like again, it's Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Like they're supposed to be who they paid to be this year um, and all the flash and they're a great young, talented team too. Um, so I think it's just going to be an exciting game all around. Uh, you got Tony Romo and Jim, Jim Nance. It's a CBS game, right? If, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it is. It's. I know it's a 425. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's a Romo game. Uh, I think it's a Romo Okay. Yeah, I, I, me personally, I remember it being a Romo game, um, but maybe somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure it is. You're right. Okay, it cool. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. we, that's awesome. I had to check because I don't, I don't look at that until Sunday morning to see which channel I got to bring up. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that right now. But again, we don't have to worry about, uh, you know, YouTube TV. It's a primetime game, primetime matchup for the Cowboys. So as we're closing out here, uh, I'll go to Halman and then Brandon. Um, give us an article because uh, again, now we're in mid or in season form, where a lot of things on Blogging the Boys are coming out, where it's a weekly article for us. Um, so give us your Twitter handle, and then also an article that you guys are working on or that came out already uh, this week. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at underscore dh44 underscore, and uh, coming up on on the site, I think probably uh, sometime throughout the day Tuesday uh, will be the first installment this year of the McCarthy Chronicles. Um, last couple of years I've been doing that and just kind of looking at his job as the head coach. Now, obviously that he's the play caller, it's going to be taking a more specific look at what we saw from the Cowboys offense, this new look, Texas coast offense, which is very interesting because with this game, like going in, we all said, we want to see this offense. And then instead it was like, Oh, look at the defense. Oh, look at special teams. Like, you know, the giants can't do anything right. And we all kind of just forgot that, you know, like we wanted to see what this offense was like and, and they didn't really even get to get the chance to, you know, flex their muscles too much. So uh, I'll take a look at that and kind of break down what we saw from the offense and why it, it gives some reason for optimism going forward. So you can find me on X. Is that what we're going with? Uh, so you can t- tweet on X, I think is what Pat McAfee's doing now. Uh, so you can find me at X at uh, Icebreaker21. So I've been uh, shifting my focus a little bit uh, onto the uh, the podcasting side, so you'll be able to find me more so uh, on, in that area uh, this season. So you'll, you'll obviously hear me on the writer's block every week. Uh, you'll hear me on probably the majority of the, uh, the roundtables this year, just depending on how the schedule works and then, you know, whatever they, wherever they need me. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm a utility guy this year for for blog and the boys and then again this week uh, just make sure uh, Friday morning at uh, 7 30 a.m. Eastern uh, make sure and uh, and Lori you know exactly who I'm talking about boy green again great coverage for the Jets if you want to get schooled up on New York Jets because we're Cowboys fans that's our team yeah you make sure you follow him on Twitter boy green two five like he, he's always got good stuff on there but I'll be joining him for some uh, some great banter he's actually a really good really good friend of mine on a personal level so it's going to be a lot of fun to uh to have a little back and forth uh, talking Cowboys Jacks uh this coming weekend and I believe again it's the I think it's a Romo Nance game so I think uh we're, we're in for a treat and I think the Cowboys are going to keep going we exactly exactly where I expect them to go and they're, they're going to kick some New York jet butt <laughs> 
B1 is is the equivalent of the Joker on uh, Arthur Smith's offense with Cordero Patterson. Uh, not the Joker in the Batman DC universe. I mean, you you have a lot to say. Uh, we, we think you're a commanding presence, but we won't call you a villain uh, here. We're, we're, you're more of a hero here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Brandon is right. That is W-R-I-T-E. And yeah, we have the Power Rankings uh, article and then also an NFC East recap as well. And then again, you can check out the mail blog that myself and Mike Poland do as well weekly, where we take your questions, pull an audience uh, with a question throughout the week. So be sure to look out for that as well. So for Brandon Clements and David Howman, I am Brandon Laurie. We'll see Chris Howling hopefully next week. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Writer's Block Podcast. And always remember, go Cowboys. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, Mom. <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.